Now, I've got a question for you to start with. You might want to put your hand up, you might not. I wonder how many of you have the perfect life. I was interesting, Illuminate prayed that Banky would have the perfect life. And you kind of think, well, what is the perfect life? And you'd say, well, well I've got no troubles, I've got no problems, everything is smooth, everything is wonderful, I get up every day and everything is just a pure delight. Yeah? Hands up. Anybody? Not one of you. Well, if, you are, if you're having a perfect life, you're not admitting it. But today, I just um, I want to talk about a passage that we find in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4. Because the truth is, we don't have a perfect life. And the thing is, where do you go when things go wrong? Where do you go when you look at your bank account and there's more month left than there is money till the next payday? Where do you go when you, you, you're struggling with your health? And maybe your mental health. Where do you go when you feel inside that you're broken? And that no one can fix you. And um, I just remember when my children were very young. They had belief in me. That I could fix things. Now they realize, as, as they're older, they realize I'm terrible at fixing things. But I remember there were times they came and the toy was broken or something was broken, and they just put it in front of me and say, Daddy, fix it. And this morning, we're going to talk about someone who is able to fix things that are broken. You may have noticed, if you haven't come to this church very long, you may have noticed that we talk about Jesus quite a lot. And I think that's a great thing. Maybe we don't talk about him enough. There's a, a new song out by Phil Wickham called I Believe. And uh, he said one of the reasons he wrote the song was he said there's a generation coming through who don't understand who Jesus is. And they need to understand how awesome Jesus Christ is. Because he is the son of God. He is the one that we owe our very lives to. He is the one who created us. He's the one who, when he spoke, this whole universe came into being. He's the one who gives us complete forgiveness. He is the one who gives us joy, love, and peace. He's the one who gives us life in abundance. And he is the one who gives us gifts and our hope for our future. He is also the one who gives us the joy of being able to pray. Because when we pray, we talk to Jesus, we talk to God, and life and things can change. And I don't know what is broken in your life. Maybe there is stuff, but I want you to think about this morning that there is hope, there is a way it can be fixed because of the person of Jesus. Thank you. I was listening to some music as I was coming in, um, and uh, there was a song called No One. Um, and it was clearly sung by a lot of excited people. Uh, I think it was a black Pentecostal choir, and they were really going for it. And I thought, I would love to have that atmosphere in church today. So let's warm things up a bit, shall we? More than one just amen coming forward today. So we're going to talk about a passage that we, we find in the book of Hebrews. Now, you might not read the Bible at all. 
You may go, I don't really understand the Bible. The Bible is made up of 66 books. There's the Old Testament, which has got 39 in. New Testament's got 27 books. And we're going to be talking from the New Testament. And uh, you've got the Gospels, the four Gospels. We talked a bit about Matthew last week. And then we move into the letters, the epistles. And uh, a number of them, quite a few written by Paul. But there's a book called the book of Hebrews or the letter to the Hebrews and it was written to Jewish Christians who were really struggling at the time they were being persecuted um, in various places they were being persecuted by the Romans but they are also people who become to believe in Jesus and the trouble was their belief in Jesus was kind of wavering because people were saying well you know what you need to do is you need to come back to the temple and worship in the temple you need to come back and, and, and come back to your Jewish roots. You need to celebrate the Sabbath every Sunday, every Saturday. It was every Saturday. And you, you mustn't do this and you mustn't do that. You need, to, you need to come back to your Jewish faith. And the writer of the Hebrews says, no, you don't. What you need to do is you need to believe in Jesus. Because he is the one who is the one you need to worship. You don't need to go to the temple to worship. You don't need to go to synagogue to worship. You don't need to celebrate Sabbath. Because you have Jesus. And he is all you need. And so what he does, he illustrates part of his book. uh, Sorry, the letter. He illustrates part of the letter by talking about Jesus the high priest. Okay. Now, how many people know about high priests? One. That's great. We've got a lot of learning to do this morning. So if we just have a quick image up. Next one, Maggie. Okay, we're going to talk about high priests. So that's a picture of what they used to wear. Eh? You know, I'm not, uh, my daughter-in-law is part of the Church of England, and she has some very fancy stuff to wear, fancy robes. As you can see, um, I don't. Um, but uh, this is what the high priest used to wear, and he had a nice hat on his head. He had that breastplate which was part of the Urim and the Thummim, which was kind of having to uh, consult with God. And they would use this, they would use kind of a, um, some kind of dice, I think, and they would consult God, and God would give them answers. So their role for the Jews, they were a Levite. They were probably descended from Aaron. It was passed down as hereditary. So, you know, the son of somebody became the next high priest, and their son became a high priest. They had to be without fault or blemish. I don't mean, you know, they had to have a perfect face, but they couldn't have any physical disabilities, okay? They had to be good, sound, and strong person. Um, they were the leader of the Levites, and there were a number of priests under them, and they would direct the priests in what they do. He uh, would uh, uh, offer sacrifices, but in particular, on one day, once a year, he would go into the very holy of holies. You need to look up some of this if you don't understand what I'm saying. Go into the very Holy of Holies and present a sacrifice so that all the people could be forgiven. He could only go in there once a year on the Day of Atonement and do that. So he had a very special role. And then when he died, all the people who'd gone to the cities of refuge because they'd run away and done some terrible thing, they'd go to a place where they'd be kept safe. It's called a city of refuge. When he died, all those people were suddenly set free. And they were no longer under condemnation. They could be free. So this guy was a very significant guy to the Jewish people. And we find that in the Old Testament. And you'll find a high priest in the New Testament. So a significant role. And what the writer to the Hebrews says is now we have a new high priest. Not some bloke who's wearing fancy clothes. But the person of Jesus. 
And so if we have the next one, please, Maggie. Uh, yeah, let's read this bit, shall we? It says, therefore, Hebrews chapter 4, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was it without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So what the writer to Hebrews is saying is there was the old covenant. There was the high priest who would wear all his garb. But you, now you've become Christians, you have a new high priest. And if we have that, that's perfect, Maggie, thank you. Because he then starts to talk about Jesus, the high priest. And he says that there was a sonship. You see, um, in a sense, all those high priests were hereditary. They passed down. In a sense, what he's saying is Jesus is a son, but actually he is the son of God. So he's able to be the high priest. He is human, fully human, but also fully divine. God himself became a man, was fully human and fully God. And then it says that he's gone through the heavens. So clearly he's talking about how he has come from heaven to earth to be a high priest. And then it talks about the fact that there he is. He's at the throne of God. And he's interceding for us. And we find that in Romans. And then lastly, it talks about his death. How through his death, we all are forgiven. Oh, that's good. We are all forgiven. And not just a few things, but we're forgiven everything. Okay? So you carry around kind of no sin that you are going to be condemned for. You have been completely 100% forgiven. And that's a very important thing that you need to realize. You do not need to carry around guilt for things that have happened in your past because God has forgiven you if you know Jesus. Yes? So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the passage and think about how Jesus then answers prayer. Youth are doing prayer today. So are we. Because what we're saying is this person, Jesus, he's the one who is able to help us and able to answer our prayers. Now, sometimes we get, I don't know about you, do you sometimes think, do you know, does prayer really work? You get that? Yeah, I'm getting a few nods. The rest of you, perfect, obviously. (laughs) But me, yeah, sometimes. You know, we pray and we pray and we wonder what's going on. But what I want to assure you today is the verses that we have up here are true. Okay? That when we pray, things will happen. And sometimes we want something and God does something different. And I have to say, when we talk about prayer, on, you know, answering prayer, we've just prayed for Bankay. And I, have, I am so thrilled to have her on the team. Because I truly believe that is an answer to prayer in so many ways. We had a prophetic word about God sowing into this church from the nations. And she's an answer to that. We wanted someone, I remember it was Maggie at a business meeting saying, we just, our youth just need so much help. They've been through COVID and it has affected them in so many different ways. 
so much insecurity, so many different mental health issues. They need help. And we said, well, let's find a community worker. And God said, no. I want my young people to be supported and loved and cherished. And I want to see them grow in their faith because their faith is very, very fragile. Maybe you grew up in a church. I tell you, it's about 100 times harder now than it ever was for young people today and the world they live in and the pressure they're under. So when we talk about prayer being answered, I go, yeah, God answered that one. So how about you this morning? What do you need? So let's talk about what Jesus... I'm off my notes here. Let's talk about Jesus, shall we? Because he's the answer. Okay, so it says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are yet with, without sin. Do you ever feel no one understands? That no one cares? That I'm going through something and no one really, nobody's been there. Nobody understands the pain. No one understands my brokenness. We have today the word of God that says actually Jesus has been through life. He's been bereaved. His father died probably when he was, uh, I don't know, 20, something like that. Maybe even younger than that. That's not a biblical, that's me just talking, by the way. Don't, don't quote me on that. But his father was dead. So he went through the loss of his father. And then we think about how his ministry, how he was tempted to give up on so many occasions. Satan came and sat face to face with him. He said, come on, you're really hungry. Why don't you just take some bread? Don't turn those stones into bread. You know, do a little miracle because you can. And he was tempted. Satan came and basically sat face to face and tempted him. He was tempted to give up. He was tempted to run away. He was betrayed by people, a person who he dearly loved. His friends ran away. He was deserted. He was alone. And the Bible says that he understands the stuff we go through. And I don't know what your temptations and your tests and your trials are. But what the Bible says is that Jesus truly understands what goes on inside a person because he became a human being and he went through all that so that he truly understands. He says he was tempted in every way and he understands our weaknesses. Temptation's an interesting thing, isn't it? Um, do you know what? Um, went to a party yesterday and um, at the party there were Domino pizzas and do you know what? It tasted so good. Now, my wife is away. And um, I, said to, I said to Banky the other day, Tracy's away. I'm probably just going to order some Domino's in. And it's always buy one, get one free, isn't it? So you have to have two. And, you know, the temptation is there, isn't it? And if you put a Domino's in front of me and it smells so good, you think, oh, I want one, I want a piece, I want a piece. And then you go, No. I'm not going to. But it's still there. And the temptation goes on and on and on because it's still there. Until, of course, you give in to it and then it's finished, isn't it? You go, oh, I'm full of pizza. But you've given in, your temptation stops. Have you ever noticed that Jesus never gave in to temptation? So what does that mean? That his temptations went on and on and on because he did not give in to them. 
And we give in so easily, and yet Jesus didn't. He was without sin. He was perfect. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And of course, we know because we, we sin, the Bible says we sin, we fail God, we ultimately spiritually should die. But Jesus comes in and rescues us because he doesn't have to die for his sin because he never sinned. And that's the wonder of Jesus. And that's why he's such a brilliant high priest. Because he knows what it's like to be human. He knows the weaknesses. He knows what it is to be tested. But the most amazing thing, I think, is that Jesus, when he looks at us, he doesn't go, oh, you're terrible, aren't you? You're rubbish as a Christian. You promise to do this, and then you do this. You don't do this, and you don't do this. Your Christian life is garbage. But he doesn't do that because he knows our weaknesses and he loves us for it, loves us despite our weaknesses. And so Jesus understands, and I find that so comforting. We don't have a God who's far away up in heaven looking down saying, oh, you blah, blah. But we have a person in Jesus who came to this earth, was tempted in every way without sin, and knows exactly what we're like inside. Amen? That's quite good, isn't it? You have somebody who loves you unconditionally, even when we fail. Good. Should we talk a bit more about Jesus? Okay, so then the next thing. I love this bit. It says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So it says, actually, it gives you this marvelous picture of a throne room. Okay? And Jesus is there next to God on the throne. And he says, actually, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. So what he's doing, he's basically saying, I want you to come and talk to me about stuff. I want you to come into the throne room. Now, if you think about the Jewish people, this would have blown their minds. This would have actually just blown their minds because, you see, if we go back to the high priest thing, basically the, the throne of grace, um, and I don't know if you know this, but basically there was the Ark of the Covenant, okay? The box which was covered in gold, and either end it had the cherubs, yeah? And in the, in the beginning, in the middle was the mercy seat. Okay, and that's where the high priest would go and he would pray in the mercy seat. But he was the only one who could do that. And here we have the writer to the Hebrews saying, actually, who's welcome to come to the mercy seat? Is it just one man or is it everyone? It's everyone. Because he's writing to these people and saying, basically, you can come to the throne of grace, you can come to the mercy seat, and there you're going to find some help. And I think that's just a beautiful picture that we have, this picture that Jesus welcomes us. He says, come into the throne room. Come, get, come a bit closer. Yeah, get a bit closer. Come on, come and, come and sit down and talk to me. And tell me what you need. Because that's the beauty of this picture, isn't it? That actually here we have God, Jesus saying, come. And of course, as we read the gospel, we see Jesus use those words so many times. Come to me, all those who are weak. Come, come, come.
come who all who are thirsty. Just keep coming. So we have an invitation to come into the very throne room of God. The question is, do we actually bother? I talked to you at the beginning, didn't we? We said, your life might not be perfect. What's going on at the moment? And it may be the bank account is completely empty. Maybe it's even gone to zero. Maybe it's gone below zero. And the, and, but do you pray? Do you say, God, here, this is my life and I'm really struggling. And I'm not sleeping at night because this is weighing on me so heavily. What are you doing about it? And the Bible says, come. Come and don't just turn up going, oh, I wonder if I'm going to get some help. But it says, come with confidence. Come with boldness. Step into that room and go and talk to God. Talk to Jesus about what's happening in your life and give him the whole lowdown. Although he already knows. Talk about it. Talk to him because he will listen. Because he's been there. And I think the other love, lovely thing is it's all about the throne, isn't it? We all have, you know, maybe we've seen the king. I was going to talk about the queen, but that's the last one. The king upon his throne. How glorious that looks. It's not like a plastic chair you're sitting on, is it? It's beautiful. It's gold. It's awesome. And there on it sits the king. And in those days, when, when the king sat on the throne, he had all the power. He could say, life, death, send an army here, send an army there, do this, do that. And everybody would, yes, yes, king, yes, king. Because they knew if they didn't do it, of course. But it's true. We come to the throne of grace, which means we come to God and Jesus. And, and you know, there's that sympathy and that understanding of who we are. But the throne represents the power of God. And so when you are feeling weak and when stuff is rubbish and when you need stuff, remember you come to the throne of God and God is all-powerful and God is able to do more than we ask or imagine. So why don't we come? Because I'll, I'll, I'll fix it. I can do this. Oh, I don't need that. I bet some of you, I shouldn't say that, should I? I bet. It's not a good phrase for a pastor. But you need help. So why don't you come? Come with confidence. Or another word, we'd come with faith, believing that we have a God who is all-powerful, who can do something. Yes? Whew. Last one. Jesus will provide. Okay. Thank you. I, I don't pay him, by the way. <laughs> He does that of his own accord. I'm going to preach in a different church in a few weeks' time. I don't know if you'll freeze, Stu. <laughs> so it goes on. So uh, basically, let's come to the throne of grace. We're going to find some help. Amen. And then it says, oh, we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Oh, that's good stuff, isn't it? Because it's the word of God. And you have to say, is the word of God true or not? Is the Bible true? Yes. Hands up, it's true. Yes. You should all put your hands up at this point. If you don't, you just need to go back and read it again. But, it, but it's true. So what we're saying is that the word of God says that we're going to get help and receive mercy and grace in our time of need. The point we go to the throne, the point we talk to God, God is saying, I'm open for business. 
And if you need help, if you need grace, if you need mercy, if whatever you need, I have access to it. It's there for you. So I ask the question again, why don't we come? Because we're too busy. Maybe we're too proud. Maybe we don't want to admit that we're not as good as other people think we are. But inside, maybe we have our doubts and we have our failings. But God says, if you come to the throne, you will receive help, grace, and mercy. That sounds pretty good to me. So why would I want to stay away? Because we don't get condemned. We get grace is what we don't deserve. We get mercy we don't deserve. And God is able to help us and do more than we can ask or imagine. So let's come. I'm going to finish in a minute. Let's just my last point. This is the, the beginning. Okay, so I've just done the last two verses of the passage. But this says, therefore, since we have a great high priest, Jesus, okay, who's gone through the heavens, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Now, I was watching, uh, my wife's gone away, so it means I'm in charge of the TV remote. Now, it doesn't happen very, happen very often, but I'm in charge of the TV. So I thought to myself, you know, what am I going to do? I, I'm going to watch a really, a film that's kind of been shrink-wrapped in my, a DVD shrink-wrap, you know, it's been, never been opened. I'm going to watch the film Clear and Present Danger. We, we uh, Tracy and I, we watched Jack Ryan on Prime a little while ago. We watched the whole series. And so I thought, let's get out um, uh, Harrison Ford. Clear and present danger. So I put it on, and I just realised how life has moved on so much. <laughs> so they're, they're tracking these people who have been really bad, CEO are doing that, and, and they suddenly decide, we, we, can, we, we got information, and we can look on the computer, and we can see you know, what we can find out about this guy. So they have the floppy disks. If you're young, you won't even know what a floppy disk is. So he puts it in, and it squeals and screeches, and, and finally the, the screen, which is not colour, it's just lots of green with lots of little writing coming down. And so I just sat there and thought, oh, this is so old, isn't it? This is so old. Um, Matthew Miles said to me yesterday, apparently they were watching Mission Impossible, the first one, and they were... The, Tom Cruise was on a plane, and he said, do you want to watch a film? And they got a, v, a v, VHS video out. <laughs> so we, life has moved on so far. But the reason I'm telling you this, because at the end of the film, where it gets really exciting, if you want to borrow the DVD, you can. Um, he is, um, he's in this base of this baddie, and the helicopter comes down, and he jumps onto the rail of the helicopter, and the helicopter takes off. So Aaron Ford is hanging on for his life, Dangling, of course, the, computer graf the, the graphics are terrible. Doesn't look very effective at all, but he's hanging on for dear life. And one guy puts his hand down. And he puts his hand down, he says, grab hold of my hand. And of course, he's got two hands on the rail. So if he takes one hand off the rail, he may fall. But what he does do is, of course he does. He takes one hand off and then grabs the other, grabs a hand, one hand on, and the guy pulls him up. 
You see, what spoke to me as I was watching that, yes, there is a purpose to this, <laughs> was actually he had to take his hand off and grasp the hand of the guy who could save him. Yeah. And what does this say? It says that basically we have to hold on firmly to the faith we profess. And for me, the picture is actually what we need to do is we need to take our hand off our life and put our hand in the hand of Jesus and say, Lord, I need your help because I cannot do this on my own. Because the word promises us that when we come to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, he will hold on to us and he will help us through our time of need. So in a moment, we're going to, I'm going to invite the team to come up. We're going to worship together. And I'm going to ask you to be bold today. I'm going to have some people at the front. We've got very big badges on. <laughs> much bigger than this. And they are going to be there. If you would like some prayer this morning, if you feel, yeah, there's an issue, and, and I want someone to help me and pray with me that I might come through this. And in a sense, together you come to the throne of God. And you say, Lord, help. Help this person with what they're dealing with. So it's an invitation to come today. And I would say, if you are really struggling, it's really good to share with others. And to ask them to pray with you. That you might hold on to God. And you might receive the help and the mercy and the grace you need. So let's stand together, shall we? We invite the prayer ministry team to come and some chairs in the front row. Just take up a place. And if people want prayer, it's people with big badges. So you guys come. Yep, take up a position over there. As you can see, they're lovely people. And they would love to pray with you this morning. Let's pray together, shall we? Phil, this morning we all have a choice, don't we? We continue in the state we're in, carrying those burdens. Do we continue in our brokenness, in our heart, and, and with a broken heart? Do we continue with doubts and fears? Or do we come to Jesus and ask for his help in our time of need? Lord, we thank you for the truth of the Bible. That you are the one. You're the one who loves us, who knows us. You're the one who's shared our experiences as human beings. We thank you that today you invite us to come to you. And I pray, Lord, that you give people courage today. To realize that they do need help to lay their fears and their pride aside and simply come. And I pray that as they come to you, Lord, I ask that you would do what only you can do from the throne of grace, through your power, through your majesty and your might, that you would bless them. And you would bring healing and help where it is needed. So, Lord, as we all come to you, touch our lives, we pray. 
And we ask this now, Jesus, in your special and your holy name.